0: Here at Four Year Reconsideration, we are all about revisiting and reevaluating films. Unfortunately, preservation standards in the early days of the film industry do not make these endeavors easy. Many films made before the 1950s were deemed culturally irrelevant a few years after their release and destroyed to make room for new movies. Films that weren't purposely destroyed were lost due to poor storage conditions that led to decay and fires which nitrate film stock was especially susceptible to. The idea of preserving early films didn't come to the forefront until the 80s and early 90s when leading directors like Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese made a concerted effort to restore and preserve old films. Unfortunately, many films are already lost by this time. In fact, it's estimated that 90% of all American silent films made before 1929 and 50% of American sound films made before 1950 are lost films. Even the films deemed the best of the year by the Academy were not exempt from this treatment. So, while we began this podcast with the intention to see every film ever nominated for Best Picture, we will have to settle for seeing every nominated film still available. Consideration. I'm your host, Devin, and I have a co-host who's going to talk now.
1: Maybe. (laughs) And I'm Kyle.
0: And today we are talking about the fourth Academy Awards.
1: The fourth annual Yes. Academy Awards. When
0: they were probably still figuring out if it was going to be an annual thing. Yeah, they're like... They're four years in, they're like, oh, should we have another one?
1: I mean, it was so... Good. We had a good turnout last year. Yeah. Yeah. Except everybody had to take food home. Let's order less food this time. Yeah.
0: Less food, guys.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So, the way that it worked in the early years, um, it didn't really cover like one calendar year. They kind of separated it in a in a weird little way, all their own, which doesn't make a lot of sense. So, the fourth Academy Awards, um, they were presented in 1931. They were presented um, November 10th, 1931, and they were for the films that were released between. August 1st of 1930 and July 31st of
1: 1931. Okay. So if
0: you're wondering why this episode seems a little out of whack with all the other ones of this season, uh, that's why, because the Academy messed us up. If
1: you're like, wait, 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 (laughs) I remember what came out then, then congratulations on still being alive.
0: Yeah, that's an accomplishment.
1: Yes. I bet you are on a schmucker's jar.
0: Yeah. Yeah, You'd be Cl- like in your. Well,
1: I get close to it if you remember it. You could have been alive during it. Yeah, we're talking if you remember. You like went to the a- theater and awards. saw these movies. Yeah. Which I don't know how you would have because were they even broadcast in any form back then?
0: Oh, the Academy Awards? Yeah. No, no, no. You just read about it in the newspaper. Yeah,
1: so if yeah, if you checked out you know your local uh, Tribune Herald, Daily, and then you're like, huh, I cannot believe Cimarron didn't win.
0: Cimarron did win.
1: Oh really
0: yep we are prepared for this (laughs) podcast guys
1: okay (laughs) anywho
0: so let's talk about we obviously don't know what was going on in, in 1930 to 1931 we weren't there no our parents weren't even there
1: they didn't even have books they did oh
0: i need to I feel like maybe I should have done more. I need to tell you more about what this time period was like. Yeah, I have no idea. You seem to be lost. Okay. So Herbert Hoover was the president. I don't know much about him as a president. Didn't he he had made like,
1: a dam. did have like Hooverville?
0: Oh, yeah. That was for poor people?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, because. The depression. You know, the yeah, because right here I have right ongoing. Now we're C- Cinderella man, didn't he? Wasn't he in a. I didn't see that. You know, it was a while back for me too
0: i never thought oh um so some ongoing things like we were saying the great depression yeah uh the dust bowl Ugh. Um, and pro- one two punch prohibition and then they took away and, your ability to drink and there's the knockout yeah like terrible things are happening to you and then they're like you know what also you can't drink to make yourself feel better yeah that was you don't bad make you feel planning. Better? work <laughs> yeah why don't you just get to work oh there yeah. is no work i don't know what you're gonna well.
1: do I wonder what suicides, like the suicide rate was back then. I think
0: they were high. That's why it was the Great Depression.
1: Oh, that's sad.
0: I mean, there was the, it was a terrible time. Yeah. And then the whole Dust Bowl thing. We saw Grapes of Wrath. It was rough. We did.
1: You know what? Thanks to this podcast, we caught up finally with Grapes of Wrath, which is yeah. a fantastic watch. Absolutely. Highly recommend.
0: You guys already know that. that episode If you want to
1: travel back to the 1930s.
0: If you want to go back to the 1930s, you should watch this movie from the 40s. Yeah. They really nailed <laughs> and, uh, it.
1: Because they didn't forget. No,
0: well I mean it had just happened. <laughs> yeah. Right now it was happening. So there weren't really movies about it cuz it was just what's happening. Mm-hmm. And also I think that obviously affected the movie industry because people couldn't really pay to go see movies so much because they didn't have any money.
1: Oh. But they were cheaper, weren't they?
0: They were cheaper, but they had no money cuz they didn't have jobs cuz oh, the okay. economy was just non-existent.
1: So was Hollywood hurting during this time period? Yes, absolutely. Oh, dang.
0: Absolutely. So some other things that were going on?
1: Spoiler, like, they survived.
0: Oh uh, yeah, Hollywood's doing fine now mostly Mostly. in emerging markets um so some things that were going on in america on august 7th of 1930 this is just like within the time period that we're talking about right now just fyi so in august it's not a history lesson no just because i'm i'm assuming most of our listeners also weren't around from 1930 to 1931
1: and if you were they don't know what a podcast is true no offense
0: then their grandkids are like listen to this radio show yeah they're like what? What? What do you? Okay, let's not be mean to old people. Okay, August seventh, nineteen thirty, um, was the lynching of Thomas Shipp and Abram Smith in Marion, Indiana. Uh, they were hanged, and James Cameron uh, survived. What? Yeah, and then he went on to make film. No, the <laughs> Frank Guy, because I'm assuming this one was black. Um, and this was the last recorded lynching of African Americans in the Northern United States.
1: Oh, I like recorded yeah it's recorded a, that's like a nice touch to the story
0: probably happened some more Jesus. they just stopped writing it down because yes. they were like no we cured racism
1: <laughs> wiped out
0: wiped out they can they're not slaves anymore it's fine um <laughs> that's what they were thinking that's not what i'm thinking i just want to like make that clear those aren't my thoughts those were my pretend thoughts of people in 1930. Uh, March 3rd, 1931, the Star Spangled Banner was adopted as the United States National Anthem. It was used occasionally prior to this, and some other songs were also used when they would like raise the flag and stuff, but this made it the official National Anthem, which I think is interesting.
1: Yeah, that is really interesting.
0: Um, And on March 17th, 1931, Nevada legalized gambling. That was Uh, a good move on their part. Yeah. And then on May 1st, construction of the Empire State Building was completed in New York City. Wow. So some fun stuff. Some fun stuff was happening and some not so fun fun stuff. Like racism and lynching. Okay. So let's talk about the year in film. Again, this is just covering that period that the Academy is covering. Yes. So on November 1st, the Big Trail featured a young John Wayne in his first starring role. It was released in both 35mm and a very early form of 70mm film. It was the first large-scale, big-budget film of the sound era, costing over $2 million. Wow. The film is praised for its aesthetic quality and realism that did not become commonplace until many decades later. However, due to the new film format and the film's release during the Great Depression, the film became a financial failure at the box office. Oh, dang. Poor John Wayne. I hope that yeah. he recovers from that. Um. So, top-grossing films of 1931. Number ten. That's how we usually do this, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember how our podcast works. Okay. Number ten was The Public Enemy. Is that like Johnny Depp's movie? I don't know.
1: Okay, that was a really bad joke.
0: It wasn't really a joke. Let's cut that out. Okay. <laughs> okay. Number nine, No Limit.
1: So we're just gonna start at number nine if we're cutting that out. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. <never> <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, number nine is what? I'm sorry. No Limit. No Limit.
0: Number eight, Private Lives. Oh, okay. Number seven, Dracula.
1: Ooh, Bela Lugosi? Yep. Nice.
0: Number six, Cimarron.
1: Okay, we have to <laughs> I have to let you guys know. So Devin has been practicing saying this I title I cannot right. say this title She keeps <laughs> right. wanting to say Cimmerian.
0: I do want to call it Cimmerian.
1: But it's Cimarron.
0: Cimarron. My problem is they... Well, we'll get to it. They don't really say it a lot in the movie. I thought the movie would like help. But when me. they do,
1: they say Simran.
0: They do, but I just know they don't say it enough. I hope. I thought they'd say it all the time, and it would drill it into my head, and I would remember.
1: I think like back then it was just like people might have just known what that was. Do You know what I mean? But it's not really a term we use too often.
0: Wasn't it the kid's name?
1: It he was named after like the area.
0: Oh yeah, but I'm saying yeah. when they talk, they just called him Sim all the Sim, time. Sim,
1: yeah, yeah. For Cimarron.
0: It could be sure for Cimmerian. Nope. <laughs> okay. Uh, number five, A Free Soul. Number four, Susan Lennox.
1: What are these movies? See, I feel so bad. These top ten movies, like, do they even exist anymore?
0: I'm gonna assume no, since weird over half the movies that were nominated for Best Picture don't exist anymore. I'm gonna assume
1: no, that. yeah, for sure. It's just a that's a sad don't. realization.
0: It is. Uh, number three, Matahari. Number two, City Lights. And number one, Frankenstein.
1: Cool. So the horror movies made Horror it. movies were. Which some, kind of, and some Chaplin.
0: That makes sense, too, in a way that, like, you're going through the Great Depression. People don't want to go watch, like, epic dramas. They just want to go watch something like a horror movie that's going to just be entertaining. And yeah,
1: they need more horror in their lives. But,
0: like, that's a horror that you can, no, like, get No, I know. It's, get it's defeated. escapism. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's
1: escapism, for sure.
0: I mean, like, Samurai's not making anyone feel better about anything.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. No, we'll get I to mean, it. I mean, okay. <laughs> well, it's not.
0: All right. So some some notable film debuts during this time period uh, was Betty Davis made her film debut. Oh, wow. And uh, Otto Preminger, who was a director and producer, directed his, sure. his first film.
1: What was his first film?
0: The Great Love.
1: Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would obviously go on to make many good movies
0: yeah and just be like um a sadistic controlling terrible man i'll
1: oh, see so yeah, i didn't know that about him
0: yeah he was not nice a lot of directors aren't nice is what i'm learning and researching film <laughs> <laughs> okay just a lot of them are uh i
1: didn't abusive. know if you got that from uh katrina i did your muse
0: okay <laughs> i did she karina
1: <laughs> oh yeah sorry
0: longworth yes you must remember this i'm sure if you guys listen to this podcast you listen to that podcast but yeah. <laughs> if you don't you should Anywho I'm
1: sure I'm sure they do uh, Yeah I'm sure they have a preference <laughs> I'm sure
0: I'm sure Okay So these films That came out In 1930 to 1931 Are called Pre-code films
1: What does that mean Devin?
0: Well let me tell you Kyle Um mm. Sorry
1: There's that um again I
0: know but you're like Throwing me off How? By talking Okay <laughs>
1: let me just let down the mic
0: (laughs) (laughs) now we've talked i know we've talked before in previous episodes about movies that were made um that had to be up to code so this is kind of the and obviously we talked about movies that were made after the code era but these are pre-code movies so i just wanted to take a moment here to discuss what it means when we say pre-code okay that that was just like a dramatic pause that wasn't like an awkward pause stop looking at me okay So the Motion Picture Production Code, also known as the Hayes Code, which was named after Will H. Hayes, the president of the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America, or the MPPDA, it's a lot of letters, from 1922 to 1945. It was a set of industry moral guidelines that was applied to most United States motion pictures released by major studios from 1930 to 1968. Um, So under Hayes, the MPPDA, Later, the MPAA adopted the production code in 1930, but didn't begin strictly enforcing it until 1934. The code was created by the studios in response to political pressure following a few notable Hollywood scandals, such as the William Desmond Taylor murder and the alleged rape of Virginia rap by Fatty Arbuckle. Essentially, faced with the prospect of having to comply with various state laws in order for movies to be shown, they chose to self-regulate. So, like, Hollywood was getting kind of a bad rap because there were these two, like, high-profile scandals that happened, like, back-to-back. And um, so there were a lot of, like... Because back then, the theaters kind of had more control over what was shown, the, what they showed. And so there were some states that were like, well, we're not going to show, you know, movies that aren't morally up to what we consider good. So then, instead of having to adhere to each each laws in each state... They decided to just kind of self-regulate to keep everything on an even even thing. So they came up with a list of kind of like do's and don'ts and be careful's that they kind of followed starting in 1930. But starting in 1934, you literally had to be approved by William H. Hayes's office in order to get your film released. So here's the general principles of the code um so no picture shall be produced that will lower the moral standards of those who see it hence the sympathy of the audience should never be thrown to the side of crime wrongdoing evil or sin number two correct standards of life subject only to the requirements of drama and entertainment shall be presented and number three law natural or human shall not be ridiculed nor shall sympathy be created for its violation so it really seems like they're one they're like big thing was like we can't show that crime is good in any way we can't you know yeah they also had some things to say about sex ready for this the sanctity of the institution of marriage and the home shall be upheld pictures shall not infer that low forms of sex relationship are the accepted or common thing um sex perversion or any inference to it is forbidden White slavery shall not be treated. Miscegenation, a.k.a. sex relationships between the white and black races, is forbidden. Sex hygiene and venereal diseases are not subjects for motion pictures. Scenes of actual childbirth in fact or in silhouette are never to be presented. And children's sex organs are never to be exposed. Which, like, yeah... I'm really sad that they had to write that down in a, <laughs> in a piece of paper to tell people.
1: Maybe it had been a problem in one of these lost movies we don't know about. You know what I mean?
0: I mean, the, I'm glad that that one was lost. <laughs> sure. They're like this weird orgy child scene. We shouldn't get. We should just burn that one.
1: <laughs> Maybe they like, lit a warehouse on fire and just. Of, like just. For that, way- but then they just weren't sure which one was which. You know, the canisters were yeah. mislabeled or.
0: They're like, they're probably all vulgar. So they just <laughs> took
1: out, you know, 90% of silent films as you said Yeah.
0: um they also said the treatment of low disgusting unpleasant though not necessarily evil subjects shall always be subject to the dictates of good taste and a regard for the sensibilities of the audience in regards to obscenity they said obscenity in word gesture reference song joke or by suggestion even unlikely to be understood by only part of the audience is forbidden And in terms of profanity, they said pointed profanity. This includes the words God, Lord, Jesus, Christ, unless used reverently. Hell, S-O-B, damn, and God. That's G-A-W-D.
1: Wait, they wrote down S-O-B?
0: Yes. They did.
1: (laughs) Because even if some of the audience understood it. Right. It's still. It's still not good. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, So none of those words can be used. They are. They are forbidden. Which I gotta say, like, none of those words were on George Carlin's list of words you can't say on TV, no. you know?
1: <laughs> well, the Hays Code had finished.
0: That's true. So, what I think is, like, the most interesting thing about the Hays Code, and I i mean, those the things that I read were taken directly from it, is that it's so vague in parts. Like, there's some, like, obviously, like, very clear things, like, don't show child sex organs. Yeah, yeah. But then so much of it's just, like, oh, the dictates of good taste and, like, what we consider to be respectable. So, it was really, like... Will Hayes like got to determine what was morally acceptable? Yeah, yeah. He got to determine what was going to be in movies for a long time.
1: I mean, I'm sure he had like a board.
0: I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying those few people got to.
1: Yeah, I mean, how is that much different from today?
0: Sure. I mean, yeah. I guess that's true.
1: I mean, a small group of people gets to decide who gets to see a movie. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, obviously, it's changed for the better in many ways, but like,
0: there's still. I mean, I have a lot of problems with the rating system too. But I,
1: but I mean, it's still, it's better than the fucking Haze it's Code. It's better
0: than this, and I mean, there's plenty of stories too from when the Haze Code was in effect that of people like finding ways around and slipping sure. things in and it innuendo makes it great. And,
1: yeah. Yes, and that's that's oh, that's awesome. In a way, like to it, those
0: it does have make you be a little more creative too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, any restrictions in I, th- you know, in this genre, mm-hmm. in this medium, I should say, uh, propel the art form. Yeah, throughout the years, it's awesome.
0: But I do think it's interesting because these movies that we're going to be talking about um, obviously weren't upheld to those standards. They were probably, I mean, there were things that they couldn't do, obviously. But I think a lot of the things we're going to talk about, those themes could not have been dealt with. Yeah. Had they been come, come out like even three years later. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the actual ceremony for the fourth Academy Awards.
1: Was that another dramatic pause? Oh, I
0: thought maybe you would say, like, yeah.
1: I told you I would interrupt you if I had to interrupt you.
0: Okay. So, some fun facts. What
1: episode? (laughs) Number nine? How have we still not figured this out yet?
0: I know. Just (laughs) edit it. Okay. (laughs) Edit it to make it sound like we know what we're doing.
1: I will 100% do that. I love you. I love you, too.
0: Okay. At the ceremony, nine-year-old Jackie Cooper, nominated for Best Actor in Skippy, fell asleep on the shoulder of Best Actress nominee Marie Dressler. When Dressler was announced as the winner, Cooper had to be eased onto his mother's lap. Wow. That's adorable. See, like, I wish that that had been on TV because that's, like, iconic.
1: Yeah, it would probably be lost.
0: Sure. Okay. They also didn't have TV, then.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs>
1: like, they weren't even... But my question is, like, when... Do you know when they started being broadcast on radio? 'Cause that happened um, before television, right? Yeah,
0: they're on radio, but I don't know when. I'm assuming when we get to that year I will we'll let you know. We'll come across it, yeah.
1: <laughs> we'll let you know when <laughs> that only year. It's matter guys, it's only a matter of seasons. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh so like I said, Jackie Cooper, who I just mentioned falling asleep, was the first child star to receive a nomination, and he was the youngest nominee for nearly fifty years.
1: Wow, what was he in? Uh Skippy. Oh.
0: He is the second youngest Oscar nominee ever. And the only best actor nominee under age eighteen. Wow. Yeah. Um, best actor for
1: Jacob Tremblay, so I just want to say that.
0: Jacob Tremblay wasn't nominated. I know. It's a travesty.
1: Yes. Cause Jacob Tremblay would be the youngest. Yes, right? and
0: he would have won because his performance was much better than
1: Leonardo DiCaprio's. It is. It literally carried a whole movie. Yes. He's amazing. I went in thinking that this was gonna hardly be about this boy and it was completely about this boy. And he doesn't get like I think he even just got sent around as like supporting. Yeah, he was submitted as supporting. ridiculous. Yes. Not as ridiculous as get out being not, being a comedy at the Golden Globes, but
0: Oh, if they was, said for sure they're going to submit it as a comedy?
1: They didn't No, Golden Globes just said it's a comedy. Like they just Well, they put also it.
0: said that The Martian was a comedy. Well, yeah. The Golden Globes can't be taken seriously. This is why we weren't doing a podcast. I mean, podcast Jordan Peele's not
1: Globes. happy about it. Jordan Peele.
0: I heard he said that it was a documentary Yeah. they
1: Yeah. It's, it's closer to a documentary than a fucking comedy.
0: It's not yeah. It's if anything is I mean it's a drama and then the closest thing is to like a horror movie and that would be considered a drama. Yeah. It's a, anyway.
1: Okay. Like I know it's got some funny parts but like that is not a movie to be taken lightly if that may, like do you know what I mean?
0: No. I agree with you.
1: But it was not sub- I do not believe in any way it was submitted as comedy
0: no well i don't think you sub i think the golden globes gets to determine yeah exactly so it's just like i think it was are. just
1: as a shock to jordan peele as it was to everybody else
0: they just do that so then they can nominate it they probably already had their five for drama so then they're like this is how we'll get it in it's okay. the hollywood foreign press association is a joke it is okay <laughs> back to the academy Awards <laughs> of 1931 <laughs> Uh, Best Actor winner, Lionel Barrymore, became the first person to have received nominations in multiple categories, with um, a Best Director nod for *Madam X* at the second Academy Awards.
1: Are we going to do a spinoff of the Golden Globes throughout the years?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> first of all, they do TV. I can't watch, can't watch like a whole season of television. And we, there's no way to look up like what episodes were submitted all the way back.
1: Okay. We're not I mean, I'm just joking. Okay. (laughs) I don't want to do that at all. No. Okay. Can
0: I finish with I have one more fun fact to tell you about this ceremony?
1: I haven't heard one fun one, but
0: (laughs) Lionel Barrymore. He got he was the first person to get nominations in multiple categories.
1: That is a fun one. I think it's fun. He's the first person. In the first first four years of the <laughs> 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 Woo! I love these fun facts. I bet mean, it was such an honor. He was like,
0: I'm sure it was. <laughs> you didn't have a lot
1: of multiple uh, nominees in uh, the first four years. Sure, sure, sure.
0: Only four years. No, no. They yeah. only had like eight categories. I don't even know if
1: they took it that seriously at this point. <laughs> it's the thing.
0: No, I don't think they did. <laughs> <said. laughs>
1: does that mean i get like two dinners out of this
0: <laughs> he probably didn't even come he was just like he's like i have like important things yeah. to do i don't know what you guys are doing i don't know anything about lyle, lyle barrymore <laughs> okay i don't want to like talk ill of the dead
1: sure Is he related to drew
0: yeah oh she's part of the barrymore family okay so simmer C- simmer <laughs> Is one of only two films, the other being Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, to earn nominations in every eligible category. Wow. That is less impressive here because, again, there are only, like, eight
1: categories. Well, sure.
0: But still. And it's still only the eligible ones.
1: Was cinematography at this point like a category? Yes. Cool. So technical, like, was editing. I'm guessing sound design wasn't, but maybe just, like, sound in general.
0: Oh no, sound recording was that was the one that sound they added this was? year, I think. Oh cool. Okay. Was, like,
1: that's a fun fact.
0: One. I don't hey, know if that's sound true. Sound recording
1: was oh, maybe added in this <laughs> last year.
0: I feel like that probably would have been somewhere <laughs> if that were true. <laughs> uh, I'm uh, sorry.
1: When you want professionalism, you come.
0: Go to you must remember yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, one more one more fact. Cimarron. Was the first Western to win Best Picture and would remain the only one to do so for 59 years. Holy shit. I'll have some more. So
1: 59, we're looking at, was it Unforgiven? Nope. Wait, I can't do my math. What's 31 plus 59? I'm going to
0: reveal what it was later in this episode.
1: Oh, okay. I'm going to figure it out before you do that. Hmm.
0: You should already know. I'm going to reveal it. My so. math?
1: I can't not go. The, so oh so take the nine. Put it in there. It's 40 plus 50. 1990. Yeah.
0: Oh, no. Yeah. That's why it's going to be. You're ruining everything for my ending for this episode. Uh. <laughs> Cut all this out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's okay. I don't have to say it all right not everyone's gonna figure it out
0: everyone's just gonna fast forward down to the end to find out <laughs> um so simran received a then record seven nominations and was the first film to win more than two awards wow cool yes
1: their honor yeah i don't know why
0: you're being sarcastic because it was an honor all right. So as you may have picked up from my introduction and us just talking a little bit, um, we did not get to see all the movies that were nominated for Best Picture in this year. In fact, we only there were only two of the five nominated films available for watching in
1: 2017. Yeah. Um, like available anywhere.
0: Right. So real quick, I'm just going to run through the other three that were nominated just because that's what we do here. But, like I said, we didn't see them. So, up first was Trader Horn, directed by W.S. Van Dyke, released by MGM. It was about, <laughs> oh, geez. Two white traders in the darkest Africa of the 1870s find a missionary's daughter who was captured as a child by a savage tribe and now worshiped as a goddess. I think it's probably really great that that doesn't exist yes. anymore.
1: Yeah. That sounds like I one think that they, they would were hide like it if it was.
0: That's one where they're like, you know what? We don't need to preserve this one. Yeah, let's
1: not. I mean, it's reasons like that that Disney invented the vault, you know?
0: Because they were so racist. Yeah. <laughs> Is that really why they invented? Not it? everything
1: gets released out of the vault. Let me just tell you. Steamboat Willie tomorrow. Yeah, no, no. There's a there's Song a the dusty South. corner <laughs> in that uh, vault <laughs> that they just leave unattended.
0: They're like, no, I don't. I don't recall a character named Jim Crow. I don't know what no. you're talking yeah. about. <laughs>
1: So I think Jim Crow, I think an animated bird.
0: <laughs> Ooh, okay, um, some fun facts about Trader Horn it is the first non documentary film shot on location in Africa. It was based on the book of the same name by trader and adventurer Alfred Elias Horn and tells of adventures on safari in Africa. Edwina Booth, the female lead, contracted a career ending illness while shooting for which she sued producers of MGM, and the case was settled out of court. Wow. Do you Me-
1: know what the illness was?
0: Um, I think so. I think it's coming up. Okay. Maybe not. No, I don't know what it was. We'll speculate. It was settled out of court. It wasn't released. Okay. But many accidents occurred during the filming in Africa. Many of the crew, including the director, contracted malaria. An African crewman fell into a river and was eaten by a crocodile. Another was killed by a charging rhino. The rhino was captured on film and the scene was used in the final form of the film.
1: Yes. Holy crap.
0: <laughs> and swarms of insects, including locusts and the tsetse fly, were common. So that sounds hellish.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure.
0: Uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and here's, here's, this is fun. Many animal scenes were filmed in Tecate, Mexico. I don't know how to say that. I'm sorry. By a second unit to avoid... T-E-C-A-T-E? Is that it? How's it spelled? T-E-C-A-T-E?
1: Yeah, it's a beer.
0: Okay, T-E-C-A-T-E, <laughs> Mexico. Um, by a second unit to avoid the American laws of the ethical treatment of animals. Oh, wow. For wow. example, lions were reportedly starved to promote vicious attacks on hyenas, monkeys, and deer.
1: What the fuck? It was a great time. <laughs> Jesus.
0: So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, we didn't see that movie. <laughs> Other people did, though, and on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes.
0: tomatoes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm
1: You tired. say tomato, I say tomato, tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole thing off.
0: So on Rotten Tomatoes, it has an audience score of 33% and a critic score of 100%, but that is based on only six reviews. Ooh. Um. It isn't on any notable list of anything, except maybe if there's a list of, like, worst worst film sets ever. <laughs> um, the box office made 1.3 million.
1: You said that like it was a question. I don't have the numbers in front of me. That like seems do. weird okay. to me, but <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. I, that's what I typed at some point. So I guess we'll just go with it. <laughs> Jeez. Maybe that's adjusted for inflation. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> this is hard. So what
1: else did we miss, Devin?
0: All right, we missed Skippy, directed by Norman Trog, produced by Paramount. Um, Skippy, the mischievous son of a wealthy doctor, meets Sookie in poverty-ridden shantytown. And together they try to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Together they try to save Sookie's pet from a cruel dog catcher.
1: This actually sounds pretty cool.
0: Uh, it's based on a comic strip called Skippy by Percy Crosby. Um, and director Norman tarag won the Academy Award for directing at age 32. He remained the youngest winner in this category until Damien Chazelle won for La La Land.
1: Holy shit. So, so too. Yeah. Now that's a fun fact. Yeah. That's really interesting.
0: So there are just young people all over this movie.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so-
1: Chazelle was just like, what, 31? Just beat him by... A year or two? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Ugh. What?
0: We're almost that age. We haven't won any Academy Awards.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> but it would be quite the feat if we did.
0: Can podcasts win Academy Awards? Let's start a new category. A petition. Uh, not this one. But <laughs> <laughs> let's start a petition to get Karina Longworth <laughs> yeah. Academy Award.
1: If this episode is anything, it's promotion for You Must Remember This. I'm
0: sure she's gonna appreciate she's gonna see this spike in her numbers. Yeah. <laughs>
1: What's that company uh, that that sponsors them?
0: Panoply. Panoply. <laughs>
1: Panoply. I'm just gonna say it after our podcast. <laughs> I'm just go, <gonna>, Panoply. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll look like more professional.
0: I totally suit They're like, we don't sponsor you. We're <laughs> 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 they have to like put out a press release that they're not associated with us in any way. <laughs> Alright so Skippy had Rotten Tomatoes Has an audience score of 54% And a critic score of 100% Again based on only 6 reviews Irrelevant Cool I don't know any other information About the box office
1: Okay what else did we miss
0: We also missed East Lynn Directed by Frank Lloyd um, uh, Produced by Fox Synopsis I feel like I have to burp I'm sorry Okay, we'll wait. Now it's going away. Okay. All right. East Lynch, directed by Frank Lloyd, produced by Fox. Synopsis The refined lady Isabel Carlisle, after leaving her family and enduring nearly a decade of hardships, learns that her son has fallen ill. Despite being nearly blinded as a result of an explosion, <laughs> she returns home to see her son again. Uh,
1: <laughs> the
0: synopsis took such a turn. <laughs>
1: It's as if you've never read it before. I
0: wasn't prepared for it, even though I've already read nearly
1: it. blinded because she did get to see her son again.
0: Apparently, I don't know because we didn't see it. No, and I'm going to explain why in a minute, but I will tell you that it is the film version of Ellen Wood's 1861 novel of the same name. Mm. And now, here's why we didn't see it because only one copy of the film is known to exist although somehow bootleg DVD copies do exist minus the final scene and in several frames have an X on them indicating where they were to be removed in the film editing stage. So some early form apparently is available on bootleg. Wow. But we don't do that. Um, You can, though, go see the movie. It is housed at the University of California, Los Angeles's Instructional Media Lab in the Powell Library. And you can set up an appointment and view it there.
1: That's really interesting. But that's
0: not near us, so we couldn't go deep. No.
1: That. Maybe if we made money on this show.
0: Yeah, if you guys want to send us money.
1: Yeah, like Panoply. I
0: don't... Okay. <laughs> send us money, and then we'll go watch Eastland and tell you about it.
1: We'll give you those details now.
0: <laughs> There's literally no Rotten Tomatoes information on this. There's no... Fox. like it's like this movie never existed let's
1: go see it and be the one review
0: be the one review we, yeah we're like it wasn't good don't yeah. go to california to see this movie <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay so enough about the movies we didn't see let's talk about the movies we did see first up the front page directed by lewis milestone for united artists by the way, I'm including the studios in this episode just so I, I feel like in this time the studios had more to do with a film
1: than the drama We should talk about the studios all the time.
0: Probably. Yeah.
1: Let's I'm going to start it.
0: it now. Yeah. In the second to last not? episode of our season.
1: Yeah. We're we're learning as we go. Mm-hmm. I got big ideas for season two.
0: Season two is going to be great, guys. Yeah. Okay.
1: Until then, please suffer with us for two <laughs> yeah, more just episodes.
0: Like, ugh, just hang on there, though.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's like half of one here. And then uh, one more, right? For this season, yeah. yeah. And
0: Then we got. Well, we'll tell you about it later. <laughs> there's,
1: a, there's maybe a bonus episode. Maybe a bonus <laughs> episode.
0: Don't you're putting all the end stuff in the middle, and that's not how it works.
1: I'm keeping them. I'm keeping them there. Now, now this will be like a flashback. They're
0: going to be like, "Well, you should speaking shut up and talk here." About the front page.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's what they're. That's what they're asking. <laughs>
0: they're like, "How oh, you've been waiting this entire episode for you to talk about the front page?"
1: Well, and we will start now.
0: Synopsis. An investigative reporter sees an opportunity for the story of a lifetime when an accused murderer escapes hanging. I think that's a good synopsis.
1: That is a pretty good synopsis.
0: Um, It's based on a Broadway play of the same name, and the film was produced by Howard Hughes. Wow. Cool. Fun guy. The story was adapted for Howard Hawks' comedy, His Girl Friday, which I haven't seen, but it's kind of like a... A classic movie
1: wait yeah so that's like a the similar storyline to this
0: it's the same storyline but he like swapped the gender so like the girl is the reporter and then i guess the guy is awesome waiting outside for her that's i was not cool. really know, it's but. supposed to be
1: like a really witty movie right like, yeah one of the best written it's supposed
0: movies. to be like one of howard i mean howard hawks is kind of like
1: yeah that's awesome big deal
0: it's supposed to be one of his best movies yeah
1: so this is like pre fingernail and toenails howard hughes
0: yeah this is howard hughes before he's gone crazy okay because this is around the same time i think this because um hell's angels came out in 1931 i think so this is like he had been making that movie so he was still like a little crazy but he hadn't like completely Wait,
1: what lost. year is this we're talking about
0: we're talking about 30 to 31 oh yeah okay but hell's an- hell's angels was included okay. in a separate ceremony for gotcha. the Academy awards um so director lewis milestone was an oscar winner what is this what did i write okay Director Louis Milestone, an Oscar winner for the somber All Quiet on the Western Front in 1931, showed a dazzling versatility and set a new trend in film comedies with the zippy pace and overlapping dialogue of the front page. I didn't write that. That's copy and pasted from somewhere. Okay. But <laughs> I just want to Protect yourself, out. Devin. <laughs> um, I do think that's funny because All Quiet on the Western Front is. Uh, very different from this film. Oh, I think quite. it's interesting that he did these like back to back. Yeah,
1: much. no, for sure, for sure. Went from like a movie with one set to like a movie with so many locations yeah. and like such so grand and like well, so I'll such start on the such West a different Front tone was before this one. Such a different tone. Oh, so maybe he was like, guys, that fucking last movie beat the shit out of me. Yeah, he's like that was a lot of work. Can, Can we just do something comedy? on a stage? <laughs> yeah. I just want a stage.
0: Uh sorry i said uh instead of um but it's different
1: it's okay i said fuck so and shit stop in like the same sentence
0: this is not up to the code (laughs) speaking of the last line of the movie had to be partly obliterated by the sound of a typewriter being accidentally struck because the censors even of that day wouldn't allow the phrase son of a bitch to be used in a film really okay yeah because i think he's like the son of a bitch stole my watch but they like You just hit the keyboard like someone (laughs) could hear that. (laughs) They were like, ding, so you couldn't hear the I didn't even notice
1: that. I heard bitch. I did too. Okay.
0: Well, I mean, I didn't hear anything because the sound quality on that film was a Yeah,
1: it was pretty terrible. (laughs) We we actually had to turn on the closed captioning just to kind of figure out what was going on. I mean, it's just, you know, another example. At least we didn't lose the film. We didn't lose the film. We just lost the audio.
0: Yeah. I think because obviously sound technology was in its early stages, I don't think that in the act of preserving these films, I just don't think there's a way to make that sound no, better, no, really. No. So, what do you think of the front page, Kyle? I've done so much talking. Say thanks. I thought
1: it was fine. Um, Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next. All right. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was obvious from the get-go, even though we didn't know that it was a play. It was based on a play. I mean, it all took place in one location. It did a lot of uh, with the cinematography. It did a lot of interesting things. As far as visuals, which I thought was really cool, especially for that time period. Um, And just, again, like all the enclosed spaces and whatnot. I think the uh, director, I think the director, obviously, based on All Quiet and the Western Front too, really knows what he's doing.
0: Yeah, he's a good director.
1: Yeah, but not really talked about too much. You know what I mean? mean, Yeah. Maybe a lot of his stuff was lost. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's the body of work you can't judge because there's not much. I don't know. I can't say that for sure. But, um, no, I think what he does here, he does it really well. Um, The dialogue is quick. It's actually pretty witty um it's a little generic as far as i mean these are typical male co-workers all working together talking locker room talk or whatever whatever you want to say you know what i mean but they uh
0: they harass a woman until she tries to kill herself if you want to consider that locker room talk, they
1: sure do uh a lot of stereotypes just for the time you know that's just like a so you, you once you like get past that, I mean, you have a pretty decent movie plot-wise, I guess. Um, and interesting ha- things happen. I didn't really see what was coming next. Uh, again, and the characters are just, you know, you can obviously tell it's a play. the The dialogue was just quick and witty, and they were just rolling through it. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it felt fine. I probably would enjoy it more if the sound quality was better. Obviously, yeah, that made a little hard. But watch. yeah, the movie was fine. Like I don't, I don't love it. I don't, but I don't hate it by any means. Um, it was fine. Sorry. For what? For just keep saying it's fine. Because oh. <laughs> it's an absolutely fine movie. You know, I wouldn't honestly recommend it.
0: Um, If you could find... I think there are better qualities out there. If you can find a better quality with better sound, maybe. Sure. Um, I think... I agree with you. I think it was fine. I think that... um, Obviously, there was a lot of sexism in it. Yeah. But it probably, like, wasn't considered sexism. Then. It was just, like... No. The way it was, which is unfortunate um i do think it's interesting though to look at this as a pre-code film because one it casts um a, the whole the the person who is scheduled to be hanged who then ends up escaping and shenanigans and so whatever is basically accused of being a communist and that's why they're going to kill him yeah well they're going to kill him because he shot a police officer but and
1: it's all doing with politics at the time too with
0: yeah, but I think it's interesting they kind of like make the point that he's not really a communist. He's just being painted as a communist to like bolster the the careers of these politicians. That are yeah. That are corrupt. And I mean there's a lot the the mayor, is that what he is? The governor? I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, there's the mayor and then the, the police sheriff. sheriff, yeah, whatever.
0: Yeah, are both like very corrupt. Like essentially he gets a the guy ends up getting a pardon and they're gonna like hide it so they can go ahead and hang him. And then pretend that they got the pardon yeah, late. Yeah, but,
1: but these executions are such events, apparently. Yeah, And maybe and especially it was like he's a that back then, I think is, like, Yeah, the exactly, exactly. They've
0: riled people up with, like, painting him red or whatever. Yeah,
1: literally people are vying for tickets, and it's crazy mm-hmm. just to watch a man die.
0: Yeah. A man who... I, th- I feel like they allude to the fact that he is innocent, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: So, which, I mean, he does end up getting pardoned, but... um. Like, he then shot another person, I guess, in escaping. but
1: well, On accident, though. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, But I just think that's interesting because I do think it is a film, obviously, that wasn't going to exist because after the whole McCarthyism and communism and blacklist and blah, 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 like that was such a thing that I think it's interesting to see this movie where they're basically saying like, oh, they just like say people are communists. So then, then they can go after them, you know. Um, So I found that interesting. And I think it's kind of funny um, and it was smart. It had some good dialogue. It was like fine. <laughs> All
1: right, I'm glad we're on the same we're on page, the same page with the, the front, front page. One. <laughs> My joke was better. I wish you wouldn't have like said it at the same time as me. I think I would have got a better laugh if people could have just heard mine. Do
0: so you want to cut this part out <laughs> and say it again? <laughs> no,
1: I'm just kidding.
0: All right. So, what did other people think of the front page? Um. Well, on the Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Don't we're just gonna go with it. It has an audience score of sixty four percent and a critic score of ninety two percent. It's not really in any notable list, but it was added to the National Film Registry in two thousand ten. Why? I don't know. Ask them. I just feel like that's no. Well, it's just a registry.
1: Yeah, but is a registry, that like that's what takes, isn't that what takes only several films a year?
0: Yeah, they have to be deemed like culturally significant. Yeah,
1: exactly. So that's why I'm waiting for the...
0: Well, maybe it was the whole line. communism angle. I don't know. Okay. The box office made $700,000. All right. On to the winner. Winner, winner, winner. So soon. <laughs> I'm really just pausing so that I can like get in my mind how to say it. Okay. Cimarron. Yes. Okay. Directed by Wesley Ruggles and produced by RKO synopsis a newspaper editor settles in an oklahoma boomtown with his reluctant wife at the end of the 19th century
1: It's like the first 20 minutes
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> of like a four hour long movie okay. how long was it actually
1: how long was it yeah
0: i think it was like two hours two hours a little energy felt two like hours. three felt like literally how long how many years did it span like 40 it felt like that long
1: (laughs) no so how did you feel about it Devin
0: well we'll get to that let me tell you some things about it oh yeah sorry my arm is falling asleep okay the oscar-winning script was written by Howard Estabrook and based on the Edna Ferber novel of the same name I guess that's not fun but I just feel like it's something that needs to be said when it's based on material sorry okay the land rush scene, which is how the film opens, took a week to film. It used 5,000 extras, 28 cameramen, six still photographers, and 27 camera assistants. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I do think that that scene um, is like the best part of that movie. And unfortunately, sure. it is the first scene. It's the first one. <laughs> and then it just is all down from there. <laughs> yes. Okay. In order to film key scenes from this production, RKO purchased 89 anchors in Encino, where construction of art director Max Ree's Oscar-winning design of a complete western town and a three-block modern main street were built to represent the fictional Oklahoma boom town of Osage. Is that how they pronounce it?
1: Osage? Osage. Osage.
0: Okay. These award-winning sets eventually formed the nucleus of RKO's expansive movie ranch in Encino, where other RKO and non-RKO films were later shot.
1: That's awesome. Burping again? Why don't you just, like, talk until you burp? And I then we just literally was just burping. Oh, okay. <laughs> that
0: is uh, is what I was
1: doing. <laughs> okay.
0: While it was a commercial success in line with other films of the day, RKO Pictures could not at first recoup their heavy investment in the film that ended up losing $565,000. However, it earned more money on a 1935 re-release. So mm. I think then they kind of earned it back. Even though, because I think, what was it? I think it was, like, the... Uh, it was, it was the number sixth film of 1931, but you know, they put so much money into it. And I think obviously like because of the depression, even if you had, if you were in the top 10, I still think that was like less people seeing it than in other years. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. I have like quotes that I'm going to read later, but those are all my facts. Cool. Um, what did you think of Cimmerian? Cimmeron. Damn it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was all right. Really?
1: I mean, I didn't know. I didn't really care for it. That opening scene is really something to behold. And it's like impressive. I, I thought the... Uh, I really had my hopes up for like the rest of the yeah. movie. And then shortly after, we're introduced to a young black child. And it's all downhill from there. Let's just say it that way. Um, yeah. I mean, even though in the end it does promote human rights to a certain degree for native americans for native americans you are right but not a, for black people no you're right not for black people at all um yeah i mean it's dated it is dated yes. and it's it's not even that it's not a good western i hate that it's billed as that
0: yeah i think it's like i mean just
1: cuz it shares some ideals of like expansion but like in other words in in any other case besides the few times he there keeps was like, coming a and going out oh wow okay well, cool you know <laughs> uh and there's this villain ga- villainous gang for like 30 seconds of this four hour yeah movie um but yeah minus the like small amount of adventure we just hear him talking about i it's this movie is quite boring
0: it's incredibly boring it it generally just is following this family i mean it starts out being about this guy but then he just up and leaves his family.
1: Just straight up, by. This
0: is just like, you know, what, I'm gonna.
1: He wants to go do what he just we just watched him do for 40 minutes. He wants to go do that again somewhere else. Except we don't follow him.
0: We stay behind with his wife.
1: Yeah, and everyone just chit chatting about. It's like he's trying to be like the movie's pitching him as this legend, and we're supposed to be all like curious and wondrous about what's what's going on, what he's up to, what's he what he's doing. And at the end, we just don't care. Cause no. It takes so long to answer these questions, and
0: also he's a dick who leaves his family and then like shows back up and is like, "Oh, I'm gonna defend this prostitute." Yeah. Even though it's gonna greatly embarrass my wife. It
1: sounds ridiculous, but he just keeps showing up, and then he's forgiven for ever being gone. She's like,
0: "Oh, you're back." I'd be like, yeah. Uh, thanks for writing in the last five years. Exactly.
1: He's he doesn't really communicate. He's, like you have oh, children. Does he say one line like, that. "You know, I'm not much of a writer, honey," or whatever? It's just like what
0: it's like cool but like in five years you could have told me you were alive yeah he well he's i'm sure so like they, i'm
1: sure they had heard stories coming back from you know well
0: she had no idea she was like oh you were in the war
1: oh Whatever. cool <laughs> yeah I don't know.
0: and then he ups and leaves again and is gone for forever until he comes back and is like
1: and then doesn't even tell anybody
0: doesn't tell is literally like And like less than an hour away from her, his entire family, including his children and his oldest ass wife and like doesn't tell anyone. It's just like living like a bum and then like save someone's life. So then she's like, oh, my God. Yes. And and then he's dying. And she's like, oh, but I'm like, no, be mad at him. I was so mad that she wasn't mad. But I know that movies back then wouldn't have done that. But it's upsetting to me
1: yeah but she had in the meantime she had become very successful but it just implies that it's because of him and for like what fucking reason is beyond me yeah
0: because it really seems like she pulled her life together he abandoned her she couldn't like get remarried or anything because he didn't divorce her so yeah. like she just had to live her life probably screwing that yeah that the only reason she's successful
1: like, is because like it just implies that she's this you know, first time hold- she's holding office as a woman and all this jazz, but it's only because of his namesake in a way. Well, she built like, up the
0: newspaper after he left.
1: Yeah, but with his name on the still.
0: Yeah, I don't know why she didn't take his that's name off the that newspaper. I mean, that's
1: what I'm saying is, like, she couldn't have become the strong person she was without him. But, like, he didn't give her anything no. at the same time. So it's just ridiculous. It's it's ludicrous, but it's accepted at the time. and. Whatever.
0: Yeah. I think what you said, like, you know, part of the point of this podcast, you know, is to like evaluate how movies hold up to modern eyes. And I think that this is this movie does not hold up in any way to modern sensibilities. Like, no. obviously, there's the black character that you what was his name Isaiah. Isaiah. That character um, is just really sad. It's and it's also sad to me that that was a child actor who clearly had to be directed to give that yeah. type of performance. Oh, and it's like, by some white directed by a white
1: man. Like, a like, white man yeah.
0: Um, in fact, this is the quote that I wanted. This is a little thing I wanted to read. It said at the time, the film was widely praised for not only technical aspects such as the old age makeup and the land rush scene. That's Which I will true. say the old age makeup yeah, was great. Yeah, the was old age
1: makeup was great, actually.
0: Um, but it was also praised for the performances and the epic, accurate look of early settlers' lives. But the film has not held up in modern eyes. Assessing the film in 2009, James Bertolini called it, quote, an excellent study of how tastes have changed over the years. Critically lauded at the time of its release, Cimarron was beloved by those who saw it. Eight decades later, it is frequently cited on lists as the most undeserving Academy Award winners and is rightfully impugn... I don't know that word. Impunged. Expunged? No, it's like I-M-P-U-G-N-E-D.
1: I don't know. You wrote it down.
0: I d- it's a quote.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> um
0: for racist overtones and scattershot storytelling." End quote. Yeah. So I think that it, like yeah. Maybe at the time people loved it. It certainly does not hold up today. No. It certainly I don't think deserved to win best picture just based on um everything. I yeah. will say I will say technically it is impressive that land rush scene is very impressive given the time period that it was made in the old age makeup is obviously well done especially for that time period and i did i did kind of like the way that the town you watch it transform from like yeah yeah tents and whatever to like skyscrapers and whatever um but besides the technical aspects i don't think the performances were very good i don't think the story is very good and I don't think that it holds up in any way. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Rotten Tomato audience score of 25%. So, we're not alone in our feelings.
1: That's actually nice to hear.
0: And the critics score of 53%.
1: Amen.
0: And that's out of 17 reviews. Good. So, yeah. I don't think... I think most people are are saying nah.
1: Good, good, good. Good to hear.
0: And it's not on any sort of list of anything. No. Um, And it made... 1.3 million at the box office. So. Yeah. So that's it. So out of uh, the two movies that we saw that were nominated, which do you think should have won?
1: Front Page, honestly. <laughs> Me too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I didn't like it that much.
1: <laughs> no, right, exactly, but it's, you know, it's all we had. Skippy sounds pretty cool.
0: I don't know, Trader Horn sounds like it might have been.
1: Oh, don't say that. Even
0: more racist than. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about maybe some other notable films that weren't nominated. Please. So we've got Morocco, directed by Joseph von Sternberg, um, starring Marlena Dietrich, which is kind of like... Okay. I feel like the quintessential Marlena Dietrich movie when you see the picture of her and the tux with the hat. Sure, sure. It's from that movie. Um, we also, like I mentioned in the top 10 list, we had horror juggernauts, Dracula, and Frankenstein come out this year. And those, I think those movies probably... We didn't watch them for this podcast, but I think that those movies probably uh, did a lot to inform other movies that were made after it, obviously. Sure. I mean, Inspired they're, still, they're still adored to this day. Absolutely. And uh, Karina Longworth on You Must Remember This has a whole series about Bella Lugosi and uh, Boris Karloff. So check that so out. So please, when you're
1: tired <laughs> of this.
0: If you want to hear about those movies, go listen to that. Um, but not yet. <laughs> so we've got one of the movies we watched notable movie that came out in this time which would not have been eligible for Best Picture, but we're going to talk about it anyway because we're rebels is M directed by Fritz Lang Spell that Spell Fritz Lang M. or M <laughs> a Synopsis When the police in a German city are unable to catch a child murderer other criminals join in the manhunt
1: Are you burping again? Yes,
0: I burped. Okay. Sorry. Don't tell people.
1: Well, there's awkward silences.
0: They're dramatic pauses. Oh, okay. (laughs) The film is supposedly based on the real-life case of serial killer Peter Curtin called the Vampire Dusseldorf, (laughs) whose, (laughs) whose crimes in the 1920s horrified Germany. However, director Fritz Lang has expressly denied that he drew any inspiration from the case. Nevertheless, nevertheless, Nine. He, nevertheless, he and his wife, Thea von Harbu, researched the crimes carefully, consulting with German police, visiting murder scenes, interviewing sex offenders in prison, and even talking to detectives in Scotland Yard in London. According to Lang biographer Paul Jensen, the director spent eight days doing field research in a mental institution. Wow. Which, can you imagine a mental institution in 1920s Germany? Right. No, thank you. It
1: sounds like a better show than Mindhunter.
0: Yeah. Yeah, right. I want to see that show Seriously. where it's just Fritz Lang in a mental yeah. institution in Germany.
1: The setup is there; it's cool.
0: That would be cool. Let's pitch it. Don't steal this, listeners. Ryan murphy's is, is going to
1: do something with it. He's already. It's f- Ryan fe- Murphy. It's feud. <laughs> feud.
0: <laughs> there would be a feud because I told you the thing. Fritz Lang was Jewish, and then his wife became a member of yes. the Nazi Party. See, so it's that's their a feud. G-
1: that's a good story that no one's going to care about, but it's a good story. <laughs>
0: just I just, if ever like a couple is ill matched, I think yeah. that would be it. Be a Jew and a Nazi. A Jew and a Nazi. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the use of voiceover narration was groundbreaking new technique at this time. In M. Uh, Peter Laurie's character is introduced by the musical crew, by the musical Q, in the Hall of the Mountain King from Edvard Grieg's Pergint Suite number no. one. It was one of the very first times that a musical theme was used to signify a character, a technique borrowed from the world of opera that is now a staple in filmmaking.
1: That's excellent. hmm uh, f- I will say, like, when I first saw this movie, that's like, that's one of my, like, that's what drew me to, like, pick this movie, to obviously, to watch. But, like, when I was first watching it in film school, when that whistling came up and it was just, like, so creepy. Mm-hmm. Like. That just stuck with me. Like, it's one of those things that just sticks with, like, I've never forgotten it. It's bizarre. It's a great... It's eerie
0: It's a great... um Device. Device, yeah. Plot device. It's it great. It
1: really is. It's phenomenal.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Fritz Lang asserted that he cast real criminals for the court scene at the end, and according to a biographer, Paul Jensen, 24 cast members were arrested during filming. <laughs> and then... <clears throat> I always like to let you know when Nazis have things to say about movies. Joseph Goebbels was said to have described this film as quote, fantastic, free of phony humanitarian sentiments. End hmm. quote. Yes. Pull quote for the jacket. I say. <laughs> Joseph Goebbels gives it two thumbs two up. Two thumbs and up. And then they were like, Fritz Lang, please get the fuck out of
1: Germany. Yeah.
0: He was like, okay.
1: <laughs> I wonder if they would have like you know what I mean?
0: They offered him the job of, like, the head of their propaganda department.
1: As a Jew? Yeah, As they really liked Jew. Metropolis. <laughs> yeah. See? Yeah. Ugh. That goes against just, you know what I mean? Like, if everything they were supposed to stand yes, for. if you're going to wipe out a race of people, you can't like some of them. Because th- that means they could all be, oh, oh the, but he's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> They could all be good ones, you know. What, like that's the bullshit of this fucking. Well,
0: I don't think they believed the things that they were saying. It uh, was just a scapegoat situation. So fucked for it. a lot of it.
1: Sorry. Anyway, not to get not into a history the history, but that just us, like really pisses me off. He should have never been in consideration. Wow, that sounded like <laughs> wait, that came off the wrong way.
0: <laughs> well, what's the what's the lady's name that made their movies? Uh,
1: it's like wait, no, no, no. It's like this is like a Woody Allen scenario, but with Nazis. Like, but can we see past the art- artist and just look at their work? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's perspective. Like, he's perspective.
0: Like, he's like, no, Adolf, like, I know. I, I- <laughs> know. But I just want you to consider. Like,
1: you love Metropolis. You love Metropolis. Like, I know you didn't know it was made by a Jew.
0: Yeah. But, like, just pretend it wasn't. Yeah,
1: that's all you got to do. separate it. Yeah. The director doesn't really do anything.
0: <laughs> but we need to hire him. Yeah. <laughs> what was Lenny? What was her name? Lenny Riefenstahl. Riefenstahl, who actually made their movies. Yeah. Yes. So I'm just saying she wouldn't have gotten that job <laughs> <laughs> if had like, turned it
1: down. Actually, I have Triumph of the Will laying right over here. Now I sound like a Nazi.
0: Why do you have Triumph of the Will?
1: It's a good movie. Where did you buy it? I actually, uh, Mike's dad, after he passed, had it in his storage locker. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, no, no. I don't. I have it for educational purposes, not, not to like. Hey, you want to throw on Triumph of the to Will? Educate
0: people about how the Jews are ruining.
1: It. Stop. That's not the point. It's it just, is propaganda. It's just, I know, but you can't see a lot of propaganda stuff, and that's like actually like a, a, a extreme case. So she
0: was like a good filmmaker, right? Yeah, she doesn't get her yeah. credit because well, she was a again, Nazi. She's,
1: pro- she's a Nazi. Yeah, <laughs> like that whole debate is ridiculous to me like she didn't oh, have to a, debate that she was like a she good didn't have a choice i mean
0: well i mean maybe that's she it.
1: didn't i don't know who knows She was also a woman
0: i mean i do think it's kind of interesting that they gave the job to a woman
1: yeah that's a you know well yeah but it's, it's, and then again just like what if she said no i guess at the same time Do you know what i mean i mean like, i don't if know what that conundrum like.
0: said no so i feel like no was an option
1: that fair <laughs> enough you're right i guess fritz <laughs> kind of established that one he was like no no i you know i want to actually look more into that story i know there's a couple of great documentaries that kind of cover the issue of lenny reef Reefestall, but um but yeah i don't know to say she goes against everything they stood for is just ugh. i don't know if that's true easy to say after you lost the war
0: yeah when you're trying to avoid being persecuted
1: yeah i mean
0: and let's stop talking it's about this and let's issue. talk about M.
1: <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about a, a, a child molester <laughs> let's and murderer. Stop
0: talking about Nazis and talk about child murders. Yeah. Um
1: But Katrina doesn't do this.
0: Her name is Karina.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't listen.
0: <laughs> um.
1: Big fan of her husband.
0: They're not married. Oh, my God. Okay. They're not married? No, they're just together.
1: That's awesome. How long have they been together?
0: I don't know. A while.
1: Good for them. We're not married. Me and you. Yeah.
0: Nope.
1: We've been together for a while.
0: Yes. These are facts. Okay. (laughs) This has been fact corner. (laughs) Um. So, M, I had not seen it before. You were saying you saw it in film school.
1: (laughs) To be honest, like ninety five percent of this podcast is facts, and the other is me going, "What? (laughs) (laughs) It was fine." Otherwise, this whole I, podcast is facts. I come to the podcast facts. with
0: facts, and then you come with like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a movie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Nazi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was watching Tramp for the Will the other day. <laughs> uh,
1: but really, all you do is spit out facts.
0: I say opinions. Can I talk to you about Not, M? It's a learning. It's
1: a learning experience every time we do this. <sighs> yes, on to M.
0: I really loved it. I think that it's so well made it feels like a movie that could have come out now obviously we watched a remastered version but like the way that it's edited the way that it's filmed the way that it's constructed feels so modern that when you hold it up against movies that were coming out in 1930 1931 even into the 40s and 50s i just feel like this feels so much more modern than any of those other movies one you're dealing with um a child murderer, which again I think is such like a taboo subject that you weren't going to see movies about that for a long time. Um, with the, I mean this this movie would never be subjected to the Hays Code because it wasn't an American film, but even with that, I just think because of moral like the way people felt about morality back then, like that just wasn't a thing that wasn't gonna that was gonna be discussed. Mm-hmm. So I think the fact that it deals with like such heinous crimes, one, makes it feel more modern too, because I think obviously now we're in this weird time when like true crime is very popular and like you keep upping the thing and there's more and more crime based entertainment of like more terrible. These are terrible sentences that I'm putting together. I just mm-hmm. said more terrible. Yeah. I'm sorry, but do you know what I'm saying? So I think that kind of makes it feel more modern, but I also think like mostly it's just the directing that I think he was extremely ahead of his time. though um like they were saying the voiceover technique where they had dialogue from one scene kind of overlapping on another True. scene. Like that you don't realize how like used to that you've gotten until you watch a bunch of films from yeah. this time period where it's literally I mean, you watch the front page and like ten minutes in you're like this well, was a play
1: no front page and and uh and cimarron the exposition is all in words that you have to read before the movie starts true whereas like we're getting montage in this movie yeah. establishing uh the mood the tone the environment the characters over this dialogue that's giving us the information we need to catch up about what's going on in the city right now mm-hmm. that's true. so well done
0: it is very well done and it's such like a i mean clearly like he came up with it when other people weren't doing it so it's such like a smart way like innovation to come up with to be like well yeah. it's so boring to just have people spit out exposition yeah or yeah, to yeah. like put it up on a in text so it'd be easier to just do it this way like it's so smart and obviously obviously it's smart because that's how people do
1: it now <laughs> yeah no for sure
0: um and i also love that like obviously again sound technology was new and this was this was fritz lang's first sound film but um there are scenes too that are shot completely inside They were shot silently. And so that so you'll have scenes, long scenes where everything's silent and then all of a sudden there's sound again, which yeah. adds we, we to the get, tension we, yeah, of the movie. For
1: sure. Yeah. And I don't even know if that was intentional or not, or just we got sound when we needed it.
0: I think what I read was that they were trying to keep costs down and yeah, the sound exactly. of them was expensive. So, so
1: sound we they they use sound when we needed it, when they needed right. it. But I, yeah, it, but one it of those happy so accidents well, that yeah. really affects the movie. Yeah, for sure.
0: And I also, Peter Lorre's performance, I think, is so good. Oh, and I think it's so nuanced. Yeah, it's nuanced too. And, and like the character is so interesting because he is a child murderer. And I mean, they don't say this in the film, but I think most child murderers are also like sexually assault the children. Sure. So I he think, had a,
1: and he had a, uh a type
0: right yeah anyway. but i but when at the end when he's on trial or whatever um and he's saying like he can't help it mm-hmm. like that's such obviously what we know now about uh mental um, deficiencies and sure mental conditions we understand that that is something that those people go yeah, through that they yeah, feel yeah. this compulsion to kill or to solve but that wasn't
1: kill. even really like talked yeah. about until 50 years later
0: right for, i mean we're watching Mindhunter and they're like oh maybe serial murderers yeah. have something wrong it was with a them. very
1: unpopular opinion but like in this clearly it's
0: yeah it's interesting that this film addresses that yeah
1: but obviously that shows where the research came in that's true do you know what i mean we're like Yeah, there were doctors that were dealing with this and probably had, but it wasn't, again, a popular thing because obviously I think it's such a taboo subject. Right. You know, it's not something you're going to read about in USA Today in 1955. You know what I mean? No. But, you know, years later when this stuff becomes more prevalent and now we have to open up the discussion about it.
0: Well, the problem this was it was prevalent even in. back then. People just didn't talk about it, so people didn't know.
1: Well, I just don't think the information was as readily right, available. Right,
0: right. That's what I'm saying.
1: Because it wouldn't be published in your local, you know.
0: No, because they'd be like, people don't need to know this.
1: Exactly. So, so yeah. No, it is really inter- it is really interesting. Obviously, once we get, obviously, you know, more guys, more people go to college, we get this, like, intellectual revolution. hmm You know, more more and more of this comes to light. But, uh, yeah, I think Emma's an absolutely fantastic movie this is my second watch actually the first time I did mention earlier in college um, but yeah something that just stuck with me so much uh, visually I guess even sound wise but the story mm-hmm. is just incredible it's, it's tense and yeah in the end they do this thing and they you know the character pleads for himself and it's just regardless of everything he's done you know it's hard to not recognize that this is a human being and he is suffering in a way. And it's... Right. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. i like, yeah, you don't feel too bad for him, right? No, because he, like, murdered children. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of cool that all these people are coming together to... And this, even if it's for their own personal gain, but I think mm-hmm. it's more of a community thing.
0: And even though all the people that are gathered there are also criminals. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they're but just they're like, they but don't... we don't condone this.
1: Yeah. And it it's funny because it's like, how much has the justice system changed in that long? Even though it's a whole separate country, but it's just like, yeah. we know he's just going to plead insanity and blah, blah, blah. Like blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. like he should die for what the pain he's caused this community. And Absolutely. it's just, you know, it's, a, it's a, just a really interesting question whenever that's raised in an appropriate way. Um, there's just something to think about, you know, and especially, again, from a movie from 1930. It's just...
0: Yeah, it is, because there's many ways to look at it. I mean, like, is it, yeah, he's just plain insanity and then he gets to live, or does he really need to be in a mental institution because he needs
1: yeah help, you know? Yeah, the problem is, is like, you know, I'm not someone who necessarily believes in the death penalty, but, th- you know, there needs to be, and I don't think there was at this time, a guarantee that he would stay in a mental facility like that he wouldn't mm-hmm. be released on good behavior or or cured right because that's the
0: problem when you put someone in an institution is i mean like ed kemper going back to Mindhunter. i mean yeah. was put in a mental institution after killing his grandparents and then um he got out yeah and then went on to kill many yeah, they more released people him. so and,
1: and we don't have the Fortunately, you know we don't have the capacity to Keep these people in institutions for the rest of their lives. <laughs> and I'm going to
0: assume 1930s Germany certainly exactly. did
1: <laughs> No, exactly. So it's just you know it's a really interesting question. Question it raises, and it's just like, well, does this guy go free or do we kill him? You know what I mean? Like, and right, if those are your two options. But I do it's think a moral quandary right there. I
0: liked that the movie ends. To, spoiler alert, obviously, but um, that. They don't go through with killing him that the police do show up. Yeah. Just because I think it then puts it back on them, too. Like, th- those are basically like um, pickpockets and thieves sure. and those kind of criminals. But then when you kill a person, whether he's a child murderer or not, I just think that.
1: no, oh, yeah. That kind of puts you. Who that feels, makes you a murderer? Yeah. You know? and, and then who really feels better in this situation? Right. Um. Can I pose a question to you, though? Yeah. The ending seems awfully convenient, does it not? Perhaps could there have been a code of their own in Germany?
0: Hmm. Maybe.
1: Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that ending just is like that. Yeah. That's and just, that it was just. It feels very. Or, <laughs> it feels very tacked on. Um, yeah. And if there's one problem I have with the movie, it's that. The ending. It really is. It's just like. The whole movie is so stylized and wonderful. And then we just. It just ends like that. And it's mm-hmm. just. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm going to snap one more time. I love movies that end just like that. But. it goes from all like build up build up build up and then it just seems like it had to resolve itself in 20 seconds yeah and that's not really the same thing that's true but uh again i'd highly recommend m above all movies we've talked about so far
0: even though we've just spoiled it for you you should go watch it
1: hey you know if a movie's good enough it should hold its own
0: it should um so on rotten tomatoes it has an audience score of 95 percent And a critic score of 100% based on 51 reviews. Nice. Uh, It's been on some lists. On Sight & Sound's list of the top 250 movies, it's ranked at number 56. And it's ranked at number 75 on the 2012 Director's Poll by Sight & Sound. And it was chosen by the Association of the German Cinemathex as the most important German film of all time.
1: Wow. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: So, as far as box office, it was released in 1931 in Germany, um, but was not released in the United States until 1933, where it grossed just under $30,000.
1: Ooh.
0: Yeah. Maybe okay. America wasn't ready for it.
1: No. Well, we, I don't think we just had the... We didn't have the distributors for something like that. Probably
0: not. It was probably just in, like, 10 theaters in New York.
1: Yeah. New York or L.A. Yeah. All
0: right. Moving on to our other movie that we watched
1: city of Lights.
0: city lights directed by charlie chaplin and produced by united artists synopsis with the aid of a wealthy erratic tippler, a dewy-eyed tramp who has fallen in love with the sightless flower girl accumulates money to help her medically so charlie chaplin conceived of city lights in 1928 and continued to work on it as a silent movie despite the rise of talkies as a part owner of United Artists, he had his—he was his own producer and distributor, so there were no studio pressures to add sound. <laughs> uh, technically, the film was a crossover, as its soundtrack had synchronized music, sound effects, and some unintelligible sounds that copied speech pattern. Okay. Uh, Chaplin's mother died during pre-production, which led to several months away from the project. Psychologist. Steven Weissman has hypothesized that City Lights is highly autobiographical with a blind girl representing Chaplin's mother and the drunken millionaire representing Chaplin's father. Which that's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, at the beginning of the film, a town official and a woman dedicating the statue can be heard uttering nondescript words by way of a paper reed mouth instrument. The sounds were made by Charles Chaplin and this was the first time that his voice was heard on film.
1: Whoa yeah that's interesting it sounded like they were speaking with kazoos
0: yeah it sounded like uh like the parents and charlie brown Brown. Uh, the film was inordinately expensive in excess of 1.5 million mainly because charlie chaplin kept his cast and crew on standby for 22 months even though he only shot for 179
1: days hey they made their money
0: that's true (laughs) it was in production for over three years from december 31st 1927 to january 22nd 1931 that's a long production schedule this marked the first time that charlie chaplin composed the film score to one of his productions
1: wow that's awesome
0: he decided he wasn't doing enough by writing directing and starring in it he's like let's let's add one more the amount of film used for the picture was uncharacteristic for the time and was a sign of the long production process Chaplin shot 314,256 feet of film and the completed film ran 8,093 feet. This made a shooting ratio of almost 39 feet of film for each foot of film that made it into the final version. Wow.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. So um This is not my first Charlie Chaplin movie cuz we watched The Great Dictator previously this season but it's the first this
1: is not my first charlie chaplin movie okay not how I went to I it,
0: i'm just saying but this is the first um silent movie of his that i've seen and the first uh one of his little tramp performances mm-hmm. i guess like technically the barber and the great dictator is like a little tramp-esque but he's sure. not officially a tramp character so this is the first time that i saw that character first one of his, like movies that i i mean i don't know i love the great dictator but I feel like this is like a Charlie Chaplin film. Sure. Cuz it's like silent. Sure. And a little tramp. And uh I loved it so much. It's so beautiful. First of all, Charlie Chaplin is a genius in my opinion. Like he's so funny like in his performance. He's obviously got physical comp- like fantastic. He's also like a great director, obviously. Like it's just crazy to me that one person can be that talented.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's a marvel to watch.
0: Yeah, it is great, and the mo- the story is so beautiful and just lovely, and it's funny, obviously. But then it's this the love story between him and the and the flower girl. It's just so sweet and beautiful.
1: Are you crying? No, I'm not crying. No.
0: <laughs> but like, I just love it, and I think that um. Even though it's a silent film, it holds up so well to today. Sure. I think the jokes still land, one, because physical comedy is always going to land. It's always going to be funny. But, like, the jokes still land, and then the sentiment still lands. And it's just a beautiful film. And I think that it doesn't lose anything by not having sound.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: And I think that's obviously like sound movies were the big thing and yet this was the second highest grossing film of the year so. amen
1: amen well i think people know people love charlie chaplin yeah obviously. i mean sound was still very much almost like a fad at this time right like, like yeah 3d it was an extra people were it was used an to extra sensory experience sure. you know um i also really enjoyed it um I didn't I didn't I don't think it's perfect by any means but it was wonderful. I did to say it was perfect I that I loved it. Well sure. I think it was wonderful. It's a it's a it's a fun watch. You there are several just like straight out laugh out loud moments. Um I'd love to see it on the big screen. Um I did really enjoy it. It's you brought up the great dictator which I think it just pales in comparison to.
0: You think the Rage Hector is better? Yes. Well, I think that's a more important film but I, for sure.
1: But yeah, but I don't know if it's like, I don't think it's sound that is the difference. No. I just think it's the material. Like, again, this is like a wonderful like little love story, but I feel like some sequences just go on way too long. Like, I would yeah. honestly preferred if this movie was like 15 to 20 minutes shorter. Like, if it had cut pieces out of each scene, which I do think everything kind of lasts a little longer than it should. Yeah. However, like, again, it's- Well, they shot so much. sure, sure, sure. Sure. <laughs> Um, I still think it's a glorious, fun, wonderful, humorous movie. Um, I w- I, w- I couldn't recommend it more. I truly couldn't. I mean, I c- I could I would recommend The Great Ditter- Dictator first yeah, out I of the chapel too. that I've seen. But like again, this is hands down. It's it's a fantastic film, and how it wasn't considered
0: yeah i think i don't
1: understand was basically
0: i think because it was a silent movie they were like we're all about talkies now because at
1: this point the studios were running kind of everything like they yeah. were running the academy awards so it's like they probably weren't trying to promote what is their considered their past right 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 they're focused on how do we do things differently now in the future Mm -hmm. um but yeah city lights
0: well and so united artists also produced the front page so i guess maybe that's probably what they put their weight behind sure which again seems weird because you know charlie chaplin was a part owner of united artists but no yeah i guess the other ones were like let's push the front page sure um but yeah that's the only thing that i can think of is that because it was a silent movie they were like we're not gonna
1: yeah 30 years later might have been revolutionary but
0: right Or if he if he had gotten it done when he first started working on it, yeah, Yeah, it would have
1: (laughs) just fit into the period, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I wish there was more that I could say about it besides just that I love it, but I mean, it's just a really great movie. I think that what makes something like this holds up better than something else that maybe I mean, like even like something like M. I just think that this is such like a universal story in a way that can like anyone can enjoy oh, yeah. that oh, that's anyone. what makes it hold up so anyway
1: anyone well. worldwide i think that's what these like, yeah a charlie chaplin film or a buster keaton film well that's the great and thing just, about
0: silent films too is like it obviously exactly. crosses any language barriers any like yes
1: you don't you don't need no do you don't even need to read no i mean like the, the little like
0: cards that they put up like with this i mean you barely need those you sure. can pretty much follow the story sure without that so uh i think it's great and i really think that well we'll get to that in a minute but um on Rotten Tomatoes it has an audience score of 96 percent and a critic score of 98 percent based on 44 reviews cool all right you ready for this you ready for all the lists that this film oh is yeah on? sure please so the American Film Institute on their original list of the best movies of all time ranked it at number 76 on their list of the 100 greatest comedies they ranked it at number 38 on their list of the 100 greatest love stories it's ranked at number 10 On their list of the greatest heroes and villains, The Tramp is the number 38 hero. That's probably across all the movies, though, not just this one. Um, On their list of 100 Cheers, which I believe is inspirational movies or movies that make you cheer. I don't really know what that criteria is. It's (laughs) (laughs) number 33. On the anniversary list of the best films of all time, it bumped up to number 11. And on their 10 top 10 on their list of romantic comedies, it's listed at number one.
1: Wow, that's awesome.
0: Sight and Sound's original 1952 list of the best movies of all time. It was ranked at number two. Okay. Which, again, it was 1952,
1: so I mean... What was number one?
0: Bicycle Thieves. Nice. Um, Currently on their list of the top 250, it's ranked at number 50. Now, on the director's poll of the same year, it's ranked at number 30. Cool. And it was preserved in the National Film Registry in 1991.
1: One of the first years, right?
0: Yep. And, um made five million dollars at the
1: box office go city lights
0: yeah so taking into consideration our other supplemental films do you have a other pick for what should have been best picture
1: yeah city lights should have been best picture
0: i agree i think that m is the better made film but i kind of like exclude foreign films from winning best picture because sure they wouldn't so wow well, not in 1931. No I, I
1: don't. Uh, no, I just think City Lights is the more important picture of the of the two. And I know that's crazy because we talked about all the innovations of mm-hmm. M, but yet City Lights is like a call to the past. I just think, again, like universally, I think more people should see City Lights than M.
0: That's interesting. I don't know. I recommend both of them. I think that M is more culturally significant the fact that i think that it ins- is more inspirational to movies that came after it mm-hmm. um but i think city lights was too and i think that i think charlie chaplin is a genius you so should watch his movies amen and i think it should have won best picture i should think it should been nominated i think he should have been nominated yeah i think cimarron should go away <laughs>
1: cool.
0: um but yeah that's that um Since they only had seven categories, there was no best song category. So we haven't decided yet what music we're playing. So you tell us what we came in on and what we're leaving. But uh, this is the episode next week. We're going to be back with our season finale. And like I teased earlier, Cimarron was the first Western to win. And another Western didn't win for 59 years. And next week, we'll be talking about that Western from 1991. So come check that out. Goodbye. Panoply. Danke <laughs>